What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Recently, Mr. Davis, you were involved in a very controversial match involving Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and the Intercontinental Champion, Macho Man Randy Savage. Now, I happen to know for a fact that the official referee assigned to that match was none other than Dave Hebner. Yet, for some reason, you interjected yourself. Exactly why, Mr. Davis, were you there? That's none of your business. Mr. Davis, I don't feel that's that's quite adequate. As that sensational match between these two tremendous athletes progressed, once again, you chose to interject yourself as these two men went at it tooth and nail. I thought it was the right thing to do. You thought it was the right thing to do? Exactly. For the record, Mr. Davis, let me point out the sensational career of Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat, right now is in jeopardy. This man who is revered by millions throughout the world, suffering a very serious injury to his larynx. This man may never wrestle again. Is there any guilt? Are there any reservations within you yourself that you may be in part responsible for the end to Mr. Steamboat's career? Not at all. The way I figure it, that's the brakes. right now. Oh, look at this. A oh, you gotta be Give kidding. me a break. Oh, come on. You'll never hear the end of it. The winners of this contest, the Heart Foundation and Teddy Davis. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today empowered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your one-month free subscription to the WWE Network home of 33 WrestleMania events at your fingertips to stream whenever you want. Go back and relive some of the greatest moments in the history of professional wrestling at the granddaddy of them all, WrestleMania. And of course, WrestleMania 34 is headed your way in just a few weeks. So head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your free month of the WWE Network courtesy of the two-man power trip of wrestling right now. So get on over there and check out all the action enclosed in the WWE Network and if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are joined by quite possibly the most dangerous referee turned wrestler in the history of the business, 
as we look forward to an interview today with dangerous Danny Davis, the crooked wrestling referee. And dangerous Danny Davis is here to talk about his Kickstarter campaign to help fund his brand new book, which is called Mr. X, The Life Story of Dangerous Danny Davis. And this is a wrestling book that I know it's a cliche to say, but it's kind of like no other wrestling book I think I've personally seen. And it is that it is not just a story after story after story book about Dangerous Danny Davis, but it's a kind of a personal journal that looks into the life of Dangerous Danny Davis. And to be quite honest, it was kind of dangerous. And going back to when he was a young kid growing up and hearing some of the stuff that he had to battle through and some of the adversity that he faced, it's a real story of triumph to see how far that he came from being a street kid, a street tough, to being in the Pontiac Silverdome at WrestleMania 3 in front of 93,000 people. And that's the clip that you heard off the top. You heard Dangerous Danny Davis getting a pinfall victory at WrestleMania 3 at the absolute pinnacle time in wrestling history in 1987 where the business couldn't be any bigger maybe you can argue 1998 but 1987 wrestlemania 3 i think is where if we threw the dart we'd probably stick as being the biggest time in the history of the business and danny davis was right smack in the middle of everything whether it was an intercontinental title change or whether it was a tag team title change or just screwing over babyface after babyface this referee danny davis was the biggest heel on wwf programming at the time because he was intertwined to every major storyline whether it was intercontinental level guys like macho man and tito santana or it was the british bulldogs and the heart foundation and the honky tonk man it was all across the mid card and then getting into the main event because as i mentioned my favorite match of all time is hulk hogan versus mr wonderful paul orndorff in the very first televised steel cage match on saturday night's main event and danny davis is really the first person that you see get into the fray as paul orndorff's coming to the ring danny davis cuts off the referee which i believe was joey morella and was trying to intertwine himself as the referee of the contest, which would come into the story of the finish and or the non-finish and the restart of the match. It was Danny Davis. So he made his way through the entire roster and was involved in so many of the storylines that as a fan growing up in that era, you can't help but have a soft spot for dangerous Danny Davis. And this book will just make you appreciate his story that much more. And this is an emotional interview. This is a very fun interview. And John, as I welcome you in here now, tell us a little bit more about the Kickstarter campaign. Tell us a little bit more about dangerous Danny Davis and what we have to look forward to in this interview with a somewhat crooked referee, but one hell of a guy in Danny Davis. Yes, Chad, back here again, two-man power trip, and we've got another WWF legend on our hands. Of course, the dangerous one himself, Dangerous Danny Davis, a.k.a. Mr. X, for those fans out there that didn't realize that was him under that mask. Yes, that really was Danny Davis as Mr. X. You also may know him as that hellacious heel referee and a long-tenured WWE you know, behind the scenes guy as well. So from 1981 to 1995, he worked for the WWE, which pretty amazing. He worked for Vince Sr. for a bit, worked for Vince Jr., obviously. And we do get into my favorite question, which is the difference in working for both those two men. Obviously, two of the most powerful and big names ever in the history of wrestling promotion. And we get all into that as far as Vince McMahon. We get some great stories. We get to get Danny into a little bit of emotional state as well as we go really digging deep into his career, which I think is great on our show that we're able to kind of show these guys that we really appreciate them, that we really were fans, that we really actually did watch wrestling for a very, very long time. We're each, me and Chad, probably watched wrestling for about 60 years plus combined. So these guys can sense our passion, and in turn, they get a little emotional sometimes as we start to 
dredge up some of the past and some of the great memories in their history in the business. So that was some good stuff, and it was good to see you know that emotion out of Danny Davis because he really is a great guy, and he really did accomplish so much in the wrestling business. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about his WWF career, but the most important thing and the reason we had him on was because of his book, Mr. X, The Life Story of Dangerous Danny Davis, and it's an easy read. It's a quick read. It's a nice read. It's a great book. It's inspirational, and it's not just for wrestling fans. You can be... Um, you know, basically a high school student or a young adult, and you will really enjoy this book. It's very inspirational, very educational, but also if you're a wrestling fan, of course, you're going to love it as well. There's also a Kickstarter campaign for Mr. X, The Life Story of Dangerous Danny Davis, and that ends on March 15th. So please get over to Kickstarter, type in Dangerous Danny Davis, fund that book. Yes, because when you do Kickstarter, Yes, you're putting in money, but you also get something back in return. So look at the great stuff you can get along with the book, whether it be an autograph, whether it be a pin, whatever it may be. Just check it out on Kickstarter, fund that project, put in some money, and get some return on that investment. Now, just last but not least, Chad, you know, obviously we're going to talk about in this interview the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart. Jim the Anvil Nightheart, Jimmy Hart. We're going to talk all about Mr. X when he was wrestling and then also being Danny Davis, the referee. We're going to talk about him being a heel referee. We're going to talk about the quote-unquote dangerous one when he becomes dangerous Danny Davis. We're going to talk about all of that great stuff. But most importantly here for us is we want you to go to the WWE Network. Go to wwnetwork.com slash TMPT and you will enjoy a free month on us. So please check that out. And as far as a recommendation goes, my recommendation, as we're doing every week here, my WB Network recommendation is type in the search bar, WrestleMania 3. I know, Chad, you mentioned this, but I have to mention it again because it is so important for a lot of fans out there. Type in WrestleMania 3. Type in Dangerous Danny Davis. You'll be treated to a great match. WrestleMania 3, Pontiac Silverdome, 1987. Yes, you had Steamboat. Savage, yes, you had Hogan Andre, but you had Dangerous Danny Davis and the Hard Foundation against Tito Santana and the British Bulldogs. You don't get much better than that. Six of the best workers you'll find anywhere, uh, especially a couple of those guys, really, really intense, great workers. And Danny Davis gets the pin over Tito. So check it out on the WB Network. That is my WB Network recommendation. Of course, if you're just on WB Network, you want to search some Danny Davis, type dangerous Danny Davis into the search bar you get a lot of great stuff coming up some stuff that Chad mentioned and obviously Wrestlemania 3 so Chad I'm going to send it on over to you but for your, all you great fans out there sit back relax and enjoy a little bit of the dangerous one Danny Davis without a doubt and I really appreciate the uh, the level of emotion that Danny Davis does bring to the table and you make a great point with that John because I've heard Danny Davis do some interviews as he's promoting this Kickstarter and some people, you can just tell they didn't really know him. They didn't really become a fan of his in that heyday of the mid-80s. And that is okay. But when you're doing an interview like this, it's very, very, very easy to know the subject matter and make that subject matter better. You make the interview better. You make the guests more comfortable. And it makes your job as a host uh, that much easier. So the emotion that's conveyed by Danny Davis is definitely felt through the speaker's so enjoy this interview. This was a lot of fun. Another one of these 1980s, as me and my uncle like to call them, LJN era guys that we can cross off the two-man power trip list. And when you get your hands on this book, if you do contribute to the Kickstarter, because remember, it's an all-or-nothing Kickstarter. So if this does not reach its goal, this book will not see the light of day. So we want this book to be funded. And you want to head over to kickstarter.com and type in Dangerous Danny Davis and you will be on your way to contributing to this Kickstarter fund and getting your hands on the Dangerous Danny Davis book. So with all that being said, like John mentioned in his great network recommendation, the episode today is brought to you by our relationship here with the WWE Network. If you head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT, you will get one month free of the WWE Network. And if the WrestleMania theme hasn't beaten you over the head with talking about Dangerous Danny Davis, you know we're already on the road to WrestleMania. You've got the Fastlane event coming up, followed by the granddaddy of them all just a couple weeks away, WrestleMania 34. And you can exclusively find that 
on the WWE Network as well as all of the classic footage that I know when we do our research, we definitely head to the WWE Network and look up as much as we can on our subject matter. So we also want to remind you today that TMPT Con 2 is headed to Richmond, Virginia on Saturday, May 19th, 2018. And we are so happy that this week we just announced another guest. Here's another 1980s WWF legend for you. The Barbarian will be joining us courtesy of Classic Pro Wrestling. So the Barbarian joining the fray of Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, the franchise, Shane Douglas, and Mark Canterbury. It's going to be one hell of a deal down in Richmond on May 19th. And head on over to TMPTofWrestling.com for more information on our huge event that is a mere couple of months away and more guests to come in the weeks and months that are going to be on the docket here. So with all this being said, John, do what you do best and hit them with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get it on over to Dangerous Denny Davis. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. Follow along with a two-man power trip as we come to a town near you. Join us in Richmond, Virginia for TMPTCon 2, May 19th at the Holiday Inn with feature guests Kevin Nash, Easy e Eric Bischoff, Shane Douglas, Mark Canterbury and so many more. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a two-time WWA World Heavyweight Champion. He is a former WWF superstar as well as a WWF referee. You may know him as Mr. X, but we know him as the dangerous one. That's right. Dangerous Danny Davis. Please enjoy. WWF wrestler and of course the wrestling referee you may know him as Mr. X but I can't be any happier to welcome in dangerous Danny Davis thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling oh my my pleasure my pleasure it's a pleasure being with you I hope that uh, tonight we can talk to some fans and get them interested in uh, what we have to say and I hope everybody enjoys it I definitely think they will because we're here to talk about your life story and a current Kickstarter promotion that you have going on right now 
the life story of dangerous Dan- excuse me mr x the life story of dangerous danny davis not quite your average wrestling book more of an inspirational tale that's got a lot of twists and turns but mr davis after all these years what made you write this book now and get your story out to the wrestling fans well, you just said it. You know, when I was approached with it, with this uh, idea from uh, Kenny Casanova, and he's with WOHW Publishing, he asked me if I would be interested in writing a book. And I happened to be, at that time, where the um, Hall of Fame was in New York, with him and uh, uh, a, a guy with, named Scott Wilder, promo- uh, who was with Scott Wilder Promotions, who had me up there signing autographs. And I said, you know, everybody's writing a book now. Everybody's you know, knocking everybody, everybody's talking about that time in the ring and stuff like that. And he said, what if I could come up with another concept for your book and reach other, other people with, with the book other than, and I said, fine, you come up with an idea that, uh, you know, that will change the dynamics of a wrestling book and, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, a couple of years later, uh, we were talking and in the interim, he come up, he called me one day and said, look, I have an idea. Your story is different than most wrestlers because of your your background and and and, and whatever. And uh, I said, well, what's your idea? He said, well, how about writing a book about your story, how you came up from nothing, you're a street kid, etc., and you being a street kid, you you sought out opportunities, you know, to improve yourself, and you got into wrestling, and opportunities opened up for you, and you were able to recognize them and 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 uh, make make the best of them and be, became a wrestler and referee, a wrestler. And then of course, you know, with the heart foundation and stuff like that. And it will be an inspirational book for young adults as well as adults or anybody else that would uh, be interested in learning or believing in themselves. Now, this is a book that will, if you have a dream, anybody old, young, a fan, a wrestling fan, a non-wrestling fan. If you read this book, I hope, that you will get something out of it that will encourage you to go ahead and go for your dreams. And I hope that that will get across when people read this book. And I'm very excited about it. And we want to help, especially uh, high school kids or adults, as I said. It doesn't make a difference uh, who you are uh, or what your dream is. It's always, always, always a possibility to achieve those dreams. And there'll always be people there who say you can't do it because people who have, you know, no dreams will always have reasons why you shouldn't try to achieve your dreams. So I wrote this book with that in mind, and I hope it, I hope it does well. You know, and you talk about shifting away from bad decisions and, and overcoming some obstacles and, and developing a good work ethic. So when you put pen to paper – and you start to write the book. Is it tough to have to relive some of those hurdles that you had to jump over throughout your years? Of course, nobody likes to to look back and and, uh, and uh, relive, as you pointed, uh, as you said, relive uh, your past because it's over. Uh, I tell people, people who knew me then, and people know me today or during my wrestling career, I let them know, and I say this to them that day, that Danny Davis that you knew. That, that guy is dead. He's gone. He exists no more. You know, only in, in my past. I have done things in my life that I, I dreamt of. I achieved my dreams. And now, look at me. I, I, I went through, you know, it wasn't easy. You, you, to live a dream is very, very lonely. It's hard. It's sacrifice. And, and it's not an easy path. But it can be done. And when you achieve those dreams, there's no feeling like it. There's nothing like it. And now, here I am, uh, after wrestling and all my other uh, uh, things I've done, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book to help other people, give back to the fans that supported me throughout those years, that helped me through my career and stuff like that. Because the fans are the people who put these wrestlers over. You know, you say this this all uh, these people go in the ring, they call them enhancers now to help the, the people they want over. Well, they helped us get us over. So, you know, we have a Kickstarter, as you pointed out, for this book. And, uh, you know, you can go to dangerousdannydavis.com, and there'll be a link there to go on to the Kickstarter. And I hope the people that are listening to you tonight or us tonight 
will go on on Twitter and, or Facebook and share this information with their friends. And as I said, if you can't afford the book, I mean, it's very, very minimal. I think it's $15 a book or whatever. But if you can't afford a book, and, and, and find somebody that can that has the book or has bought the book and read it. You know, and I'm I'm glad after you read it, I'm sure you'll go up to that person and, and say, thank you for letting me read that book. It's really, really helpful and informative. One of the things that I love that you point out at the Kickstarter is that the book's a hybrid of not just being a wrestling book, and it has the inspirational aspect of it, but the marketing that you have for high school children and for teachers to take advantage of it. Now, just without even getting my hands on the book yet and reading about your story, if you had a book such as yours growing up, is that kind of what you had in mind as you were putting it together? Yes, yes, uh, definite yes. If I had somebody, uh, not, not necessarily a book, even somebody that would, had sat me down and said, look, I mean, I had people sit me down and said, you've got to change your life, you're no good, this and that. You know, that's not the way to go. The way to go, is in, in this book, it'll explain to you, you'll get it. I mean, it, it doesn't come out and say, do this, do that, do this, do that. But it's, uh, uh, if I had a book like this in my time when I was growing up, I think that I would have maybe changed my life earlier and realized what I was doing uh, uh, wasn't uh, necessity, a necessity to get along in life. But uh, I don't regret the, what I did. I'm not ashamed of what I've done because I had to survive and I had to do what I had to do to survive. But what I will say is that, as I told you before, if I, somebody had come along and maybe I could have achieved these dreams, I realized that my dreams are, are possible just like anybody else's. So yes, to your question, yes. If I had something like this, it would probably have inspired me to be a better person sooner. And, and, you know, and the other good tie-in that if you know a little bit of background about your co-author there, Kenny Casanova, is that he's also a teacher, so he's going to be the perfect subject for you to kind of test the material out on that. He's going to know that it could connect with a student who gets their hands on it. And I guess Kenny, who is also, you know, he's written a lot of wrestling books over the last couple of years, and he's been a part of a lot of stories that have come out of it. Uh, and if yours be more of an inspirational tale, was Kenny the perfect guy to kind of throw some of these things at and, and have him digest it, being that he is an educator himself? Well, yes, uh, because of a couple things. I, as, we, as I said earlier, I spoke to him in length over a couple of years about my past, what I did, and we went into it in depth. I mean, he would call me. We would have an hour of conversations. He would take notes and stuff like that. And when the book was was written, he sent me a copy before it was sent to the publisher, obviously, to proofread it. And there are aspects in that book that I really didn't cover with Kenny. However, he was able to connect certain things that were necessary about my past and and my and and related to the career that I had as wrestling and, and referee and and all that stuff, and connect the dots. And when I read it, I was I was uh, so impressed. And I called him up right away, and I said, "Where did you get this information? How did you put two and two together and get get four? I never told you about that stuff." But he is has the intellect and the, and the charisma to put something together that would uh, if the idea that we had, the concept that we had, to get it over with with people, to get it over with me as 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 a, uh, the person who lived it. I couldn't believe how accurate it was. And him not even uh, knowing half the things that he put in that book, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know how he did it, but I was so impressed. And I, I thanked him so many times for, for what, his help and what he's done for me in, in this book. And he's happy. I'm happy. And he's really proud of it, too. I spoke to him today. And today we got the uh, a copy of it and uh, the first copy of it, you know, uh, before it is is written, is uh, put together at the publisher to make sure that we liked it and stuff like that. And it's a great book. It's really, really nice. And he's done a heck of a job. He's a hell of a guy and he has his fun side and he has, and it comes to think of it, you know, he grew up kind of, kind of poor too. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do the things I did obviously, but, and uh, he came from uh, a very poor upbringing too. So I kind of connected with him. And again, that's why this book was done because we kind of really connected and everything went as, as planned 
and we're very happy, both of us, and proud of what we've done. It's just like a match. You need two great people to get together to have a good match, and you and Kenny obviously had that chemistry, and you guys clicked, and that's obviously just like a good match. You guys uh, put together a a great story and a great book, and I'm sure when this Kickstarter does get funded, which I'm very confident it will be, uh, people are going to be able to see that for themselves. But, you know, John and I, you being in the era where we were in the middle of WWF craziness, we all remember – you know, you as the wrestling, first as the crooked referee, then going back to being a referee. But my first match I ever watched was Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff in the steel cage match. And you are literally the first person that we get to see as that match even before the bell rings. And you're on the outside. So you were such a fixture of the WWF for so many years. But I got, I'd love to ask you before we kind of get into some of the meat of the wrestling side of the book. What have you been doing since you left wrestling? Where has Danny Davis been all these years? Well, as I said, I took time out to uh, do some personal things, but mostly I just got away from, I wanted to live a a regular normal life after wrestling. I just wanted to go out. I felt that I had other dreams that I needed to uh, look into. I had other things that I'd like to do with my life before, before too long. And and uh, I got out to pursue those those things, and I achieved a couple things. I mean, I became a, a professional truck driver. I was a, a, a professional. I could I could run. I learned to run equipment. I have licenses to run equipment, so I was in construction. Uh, I did a lot of things, really. And now uh, I've written a book. So yes, there, that's what I've been doing mostly trying to find other dreams that I, I'd like to, you know, other things I'd like to conquer, other things I'd like to do with my life. You know, and I know the wrestling business is always going to be with me. It's been a big part of my life. And to actually take my time and find my, my direction after wrestling, a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people fall from grace and they uh, don't know how to handle it. I, on the other hand, got my uh, uh, CDL Class A. As I said, I got licensed to operate uh, equipment on the construction crew or drive a, a, a truck. Uh, and, and that was just some of the things I did uh, along the way. But, yeah, that's mostly what I've been doing. Now, of course, i got to ask you, just because I said it, you know, you do remember that match, of course, right? The infamous Saturday night's main event, Kate yeah. with Hogan and Orndorff. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and uh, Joey Morella, God rest his soul, was the other referee, I think. Uh, and that's Absolutely. Right. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, you know, the beginning. That was kind of the beginning of what we were doing. And uh, and uh, it was it, it was exciting. It, you know, the, that, that era in wrestling, and as you know, you were part of it, obviously, was the most exciting time in wrestling, I think, ever. And I'm just not saying that because I was part of it. Even if I hadn't been part of it, I think it was exciting. Things were things were growing. Things were uh, coming up like cable TV and uh, cable networks and pay-per-views and all this stuff was coming up, and we were part of it, and we were rolling with it, and we were going with it. And it, it was a great, great, great time to be in wrestling. For those of the, for those of the, the, the listeners that do want to look it up, it's the first ever network televised steel cage match. Hulk Hogan, Paul Orndorff in the midst of their giant feud that they had in 1986. And it's in Providence, Rhode Island. It's legitimately my favorite match, and it's the first match that I ever saw. So, of course, you're always going to have a connection to that. But like I've been saying this whole entire time, a fixture that you were. You know, do you remember what it was like being a part of those big productions and those Saturday night's main events? And obviously, especially that one, being the first ever televised, excuse me, network televised steel cage match. Obviously, that's a huge milestone for professional wrestling. Well, I, and I, I hate, I, I, I don't mind, I guess, going back to my book, but that's it. That's it in a, in a, in a nutshell. I came from, a, I was a street kid, and here I am in one of the biggest promotions in the world, WWF, and there I am in the spotlight. There I am doing things and being part of something that is never, ever, I don't think will ever be forgotten. And, you know, 
you I've made it. You know, I was there. I did it. I, and, you know, you look around and you just, you, just it, you, you can't believe it yourself. You go home at night or home into the hotel room and you're by yourself and you just, you know, you're thinking about how far you've come and, and it's scary sometimes. And it's, uh, but in the back of your mind, you have achieved something you have, you know, a lot of people in this world will never know the feeling of achieving a dream, the living a dream, the really taking yourself out of all the bad and putting yourself into a position where your dream is actually, and you're living your dream. Listen, these guys that I used to, I was in the ring with when I was Mr. X, and I, I, I liked a lot of people to go maybe go to YouTube and watch Mr. X. I worked with Hulk Hogan's. I worked with, with Bruno Sammartino's. But, you know, these are my heroes. And here I am actually in the ring with them and, and, and doing our thing. And it, it, what, it, the, the feeling is indescribable. And that era of wrestling, like you said, that is the, the golden era. That is the, the era that everybody remembers. It was our favorite era. It was the best era in wrestling. What was it like to be a part of that? Because it's, it's so remembered because everyone was basically larger than life at, at that point. Yes. Yes. Including, but, you know, and, and to, to achieve a dream, say you want to be a, a, a baseball player or a or, 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 uh, a dancer or, or an ice skater. You don't have to be a Hulk Hogan. You don't have to be the pitcher. You don't have to be the quarterback. You don't have to be the guy that everybody's that the TV cameras are always on. If you have a dream to be any, anything, as long as you become part of it and you do the best you can about it with it, then you have lived your dream. You have achieved it. And to be part of something like that. All right, these, the, the Olympics are on now. The Winter Olympics. Do you? Can you? I, I when I watch these these kids doing their thing and getting a silver medal or, or, or just being there, their, their excitement. I feel it because I know what they're feeling, and, and it's a great, great feeling. So, it's compared to nothing else. I cannot give you a description of how it would feel, but all you know is, and all you feel is that you are part of something, as I said before, something so big, so awesome, and you do the best you can, you give 110%, and it, people will notice you. People will say, hey, that guy's trying, or that girl's trying, or that person's really good at what he does. It's too bad that, you know, he didn't get them out. He should have gotten this. He should have, and it's an exciting time. To, but to describe it, it, it's very hard. It's very hard to describe. But it was something, you knew it in your heart, that it was something big that was going to live on for a long, long time, even after you're gone. And the best part about you is you played such a good character, such a good role. And when you became that, you know, that villainous referee, that quote-unquote heel referee, and you had Gorilla Monsoon, you know, bad-mouthing you and really getting you over I felt like that was such a, a cool character for that time because you, know, you hadn't really seen much much of that. You know, oh, there's a villainous referee. Yeah, you know, there's there's something up. Did, did you like that unique character that you were playing when you played that villainous referee? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know, it was so great. It was so it was so wonderful. It was so great. The people and the, and the, the, the people in the ring that you were working with was were so so helpful and so they they knew. As I said, they all knew, they felt it, and it was a great, great time, and I enjoyed every minute of it from the beginning to the end. And uh, you know, and it, it's like anything else. The first time something is done, it's it's spectacular, and when people try to do it again, it may be good, it may be great, it may be even entertaining, but it, it, it'll never be duplicated. You can never do it twice and have the same reaction. Because what we did, as you pointed out, uh, was never done before. That had never been done before or gone that far with it anyway. And we took it from an idea and developed it into something. And I didn't do it alone. <laughs> I'm not taking any credit for that. I mean, there were so many people that were involved in that. And so all the wrestlers, all the other referees, all the promotion people, Vince McMahon's and all that, they all had a part in it. And, uh, just guided me along and it was kind of a, a, a natural thing for me to be a, a, a wise, you know, it goes back to my, my street uh, kid times. You know, I could be a, 
a bad guy if I wanted to. I could be mean. I could be rotten. I could be, uh, you know, act like I was a tough guy and not really be or whatever they wanted. I could do it. And this is what I was talking about. Opportunities opened up for me and I took advantage of them and we went with it and it was very successful. It was so cool, you know, for the villain, the, the hated referee who, you know, who's helping the, the bad guys. So cool to kind of join up with Bret Hart and Jimmy Hart and Jim Neidhart along with the Hart Foundation and become dangerous Danny Davis, which totally, totally made that crowd hate you even more. That's right. That's right. As I said, it was well done. It was professionally done. And we were in the midst of one of the greatest times in wrestling. And we went with it. I mean, it could have been, you know, squashed at any minute. If, you know, if it wasn't good and the people weren't buying it and we weren't putting butts in the seats or asses in the seats, as it were, and people weren't going for it. But again, what did I say at the beginning? It was the fans, these great fans, these wrestling fans. There's no other like it in the world. Even today, a fan is a fan for a different reason. But our fans were so dedicated. I mean, I they drive miles. They 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 take planes to fly with us to be at certain certain events, the pay per views and stuff like that. They bought into it. They they made it successful. So how can you not do something and give back? Like when my book, I want everybody to read this book. You know, I wish I could go around and just give it away. Which brings me to my my next point. You know, on April in April. On the 6th, 7th, and 8th in New Orleans, WrestleMania weekend, what an exciting time to debut my book. I'm going to be with Kenny, uh, Scott Wilder Promotions at the Sheridan Hotel in New Orleans, and I'm going to debut my book, and it's going to be my first official signing of my book. These fans are going to get an opportunity, all the fans around the world, to buy my book. Isn't that exciting? It's a great, it's such a, it's, it's such a, uh, I'm so excited that sometimes it's hard for me to, to comprehend everything. Everything's happening at once for me right now. And I'm so happy and I'm so glad. I can't wait to see all those fans and I want all those fans to be there. Even if they don't buy the book, I'll let them look through it, you know, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but I'm trying to give something back, which I hope that everybody understands that. And it's very, very inexpensive, as I say. And Scott Wilder has a whole group of people that's going to be there with me, the tugboat, you know, who was Typhoon and the Shockmaster. Coco Beware is going to be there. One Man Gang as Akeem. Bobby Fulton's going to be there. Nikolai Volkov. Now I hear he's got Corporal Kirshner there. It's going to be a, such an exciting time. And, and WrestleMania is always an exciting time. So for me to be in that, even in that area at that point in time with these guys in my book, who could, who could ask for anything more? And it's pretty great that you'll be there and signing autographs and having the books because the fans love getting those books signed. But also when you're a part of WrestleMania, the lineage and legacy of WrestleMania, like you were with WrestleMania three. So it's one of those things where a lot of those fans are going to be asking you, you know, about the hearts and about the Bulldogs and about Tito and about WrestleMania three, right? Well, I've had the privilege to be uh, a couple times invited to WrestleMania's uh, the two, 2013 2015, I was there. And yes, they come from all over the world. And they remember. They remember. They come up and they ask me questions. What was it like? What, how was Brett? How was, you know, they remember. Again, great fans. Great fans. You can't ask for anybody, any better fans to remember that long ago how, how it developed. And, how, and they're excited about it today as they were then. They ought to do something like that today. Why can't they do, you know, and stuff like that. And, and shake your hand and put their arms around you and say, man, I hated you. Man, I hated you. I didn't want you to. <laughs> and I said, well, if you hated me, I did my job, you know. And it was, and they're, and they're so excited to be there. Like you say, can you sign my book? Can you, can you sign my T-shirt? And they've got WrestleMania uh, uh, books, that, you know, that they get online People walk through that that uh, WrestleMania thing with cots full of books and belts and and uh, paraphernalia from all all through wrestling. You know, the eighties up until the present time, just stuff that they've collected that they that they need signed, and it's fantastic. It is a great great time. WrestleMania is such a big phenomenon. Whether you know whether you're involved WrestleMania Battle Royal or WrestleMania Four, it is so big and it's and it's just so crazy. Were you surprised because you were there? I mean, you worked for Vince Senior, then you worked for Vince Junior. Were you surprised that WrestleMania grew to the heights that it's grown to? Yes, yes. When we walked out into that, indeed, in Michigan, 
into that uh, silver dome. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we were looking at it at mon- on monitors in the, in the dress rooms, obviously. And uh, we walked out there, or took the card out there, and we're actually in that ring. It, it was, uh, I don't know how to say it. You look, you look like a, you know, it, it was just so many people. And I said, where did they all come from? My God, what a successful uh, promotion this is, you know. And I'm, and we're part of it. And I said to Jim and Brad, I said, we're part of this. Can you believe it? They just laughed because, you know, and, but they were, you know, trying to be cool. But I think they were as excited as I was uh, to be a part of what was there. And the, the it was just, uh, the kids, as the kids would say, awesome. <laughs> awesome is the only word I can describe it. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. And and getting a win over uh, the Bulldogs and Tito Santana. I mean, those are three pretty damn good guys to get a win over. That's right. And uh, Tito, yes. Tito, to this day, I, I run into Tito sometimes at the, these uh, – even I've even worked with Tito a couple of times uh, past uh, – few years and uh yeah when you run into these guys and and uh see them and uh we talk about wrestlemania 3 comes up a lot and uh to to get a win at wrestlemania 3 i mean who who (laughs) it just keeps going back to what i was saying who who how can you believe that a street kid you know a few years ago was was, uh uh, you know tearing up the streets and the cities you know trying to get by and trying to live and being a street fighter to make some money to, you know, to, to eat and stuff like that and f- or finding a place to sleep is now in one of the biggest promotions in the history of wrestling and then getting a win to boot. So, I, you know, there's no descriptions. And not a lot of people can say they had as long of a run as you had. Basically, you know, you started there around 81-ish and, and basically right. left around 95. I mean, such a long That's run. Right. I don't think people realize yeah. that. Well, it was so quick and so fast, you know, in terms of, you know, promotions that everything sped up, of course, as you you pointed out, because they had to keep up, you know, with that WrestleMania three. I mean, how do you keep up with that? How do you surpass that? So they had to really dig and try and, and, and go on. But that, yeah, it was a long run. It was a very long, and it was all, all, all good times. I don't remember any bad time. I never had any problems with anybody. We went overseas. We took it overseas into into Europe, we in, in uh, other countries over there. We brought it to the Middle East. I mean, it was great, you know, all over the world, literally all over the world. It was just a fantastic time to be part of wrestling. As a fan, or as an announcer, or as a referee, or any part of it was was a, uh, a great time to be there. And and a and fan, little, such as yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, and. and- Little things always pop up, like that Piper's Pit with Joey Morella. Just the little things you yeah. remember, and you don't really remember too much of the, of the wrestling today, but the stuff like that you definitely remember. Is that something that you always kind of remember fondly, you know, thinking about Joey Morella, thinking about Hot Rod Roddy yes. Piper, thinking yes. about Macho Man, stuff like that? Yes, yes, those are guys, yeah, those guys, you know, it's like a family member dying, you know, and they're always in your hearts, and that's where they're going to live for the, because I had some good times. I was, uh, uh, you know, I worked with them all as Mr. X in, in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. We had uh, 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 what the hell, uh, a Royal Rumble or something like that, and I w- worked with all these guys. and And to see them, you know, pass away and and be gone, and uh, it's a, it's like as I said, like a family member dying. But you look back on it fondly. You get a smile on your face, like you say, you know, when you you think about it. And uh, you know, that's the bad part of uh, life that. Uh, People don't live forever, and you lose some of the greats, and you lose some good friends, and you lose, well, their family members because you live with them for all those years on the road, traveling, working with them, whatever, eating with them, sleeping with them, going overseas with them, flying with them, you know, everything. So, yeah, they're all family members, and when you when you look at, like, Mr. X, he wrestled everybody. And Joey Morello was my, my referee, as, long as, as well as the Hebners and some other referees. But you go to YouTube, and that's where I like to go because that's when Mr. X, and you'll see the difference between Mr. X, the wrestler Mr. X, and then the persona of Dangerous Danny Davis. The, the wrestling techniques were so different that, you know, but that's actually where I learned when I was Mr. X. And I, all those people I worked with, and like I say, the referees were there, and all these people—they're all my family. And I'm sorry to, to hear their loss, 
I mean, here that they've passed and their families, you know, I'm sorry for their loss, but unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a, it's part of life and uh, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't think anybody is. So this, this book and everything else that I'm doing, hopefully will be, you know, uh, uh, help somebody or, and I can feel that this book is a success and I will have given back, as I said before, to the fans, something that they can use and take with them. In writing the book and kind of recreating some memories for yourself, when you think of guys, like you mentioned, like Tito, and you see him now and then, when you're kind of writing this book, you know, does it bring, like you said, it brought back some good memories, but does it bring back uh, the matches? Or are you kind of like remembering, like, oh, I remember this spot. I remember what happened here. Are you kind of reliving your glory days, so, no, so to speak? Well, 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 the book doesn't cover aspects, that the, the, the my matches. As I said, it's altogether different from – from uh, it might, does mention, uh, like I I just mentioned, the people I worked with as Mr. X, and that's how I learned to wrestle and stuff like that, and uh, who helped me along the way and stuff like that. But it's uh, basically uh, not a, a a wrestling book. It, it it doesn't go into aspects of my my uh, my uh, my uh, wrestling this guy or that guy or putting this guy over or anything. It's nothing like that. I don't I don't go into that. Uh, in any depth, uh, it's more or less uh, a book of, of of how things were in them times and and different people that I met and uh, how living the living the dream. You know, you again, you give back to the people who who helped you along the way and the opportunities that presented themselves. As and knowing as a street kid, knowing that there were opportunities and taking advantage of them, whereas other people would. You know, if they'd say, look, you want to do this, and they'd say, no, 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 and they don't realize it's what they're giving up. But no, it doesn't. But I do, when I see the matches, it, uh, and I watch them on YouTube, and I'm, I'm guilty of that because I enjoy it, and I do say, oh, gee, I missed that spot. Oh, gee, <laughs> I remember that now, you know. But, yeah, uh, mostly it's family and friends that like to bring that out, and, and you know, when I'm with them, and they talk about it, and, and uh you know, that's another thing people say, how, how, what was it like? And, and then they, you know, the stupid questions, did you know, Brett, did you know, Jim, <laughs> you know, and I say, of course I do. You know, I live with them, <laughs> you know, but uh, fans are fans and they have some, you know, they want to know and uh, you have to treat them with respect. And I always did. And uh, I always will. I would expect them to ask you, you know, remember the time Jack Tunney uh, suspended you and stripped you of your wrestling duties? I thought they asked you good questions like that. Well, they do. Some of them do. You know, you know, what did you – and then, you know, as I tell everybody, you know, we used to do three weeks in a row at tapings, you know. So you were in the same arena, and it was the same crowd. So when they, they, they banned me, the next segment, as they called it, I came out with Jimmy Hart, which wasn't aired till the following week as Dangerous Danny Davis. And it started with Tito, as a matter of fact, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's uh, (laughs) – they do ask. They do ask. They ask the questions about Jack Tunney and then reinstate me at the end and, and of course, (laughs) in-betweens. And, you know, I'm not saying – you know – not all fans. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying any anybody would get uh, questions that seem to be a little foolish uh, at times from any 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 fan. But you know, most of them are really into, you know they just want to know, and uh, I always try to treat them with respect, unless they disrespect me, which I don't run into too often. But some people still hate me. Some people don't realize that it was, <laughs> you know, it was a. Uh, a long time ago, and it was, it was, uh, we were out there entertaining. Now, with you, you obviously wrestled and were part of the WWE or the WWF at the time for quite a while. I was just curious: was there a difference between working for Vince Senior and working for Vince Junior? Because you're one of the few guys that actually had a chance to work for both. Well, the thing was, when I came in, Vince Senior, uh, I did work for him a little bit, but not. Uh, I don't know. Vince Jr. was kind of taking the reins, and when Vince Jr. Uh, Vince Senior was around, I more or less was uh, doing the ring crew, and maybe stepping in as a referee now and again. 
to learn the tra- learn the, the the trade. I, I as I say, but uh, I mostly uh, was with Vince Vince Junior. I mean, I did have the the pleasure of meeting Vince Senior a couple times, and uh, a few more than a couple times. But and 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 dine with him and and after shows with him and stuff like that. But I pre- uh, basically was with Vince Junior most of the time from the beginning. I was with him way way back. You know when he was just starting out, you know, to decide deciding whether to take the uh, WWWF over or not. And were you ever surprised at the like we were saying WrestleMania grew so big? But were you ever surprised at, at the WWF how the pay per views and and the shows and the bigger arenas and the NBCs of the world? Were you ever shocked or surprised about what kind of turn yes. next and how big it became? <laughs> Yes, yes, we thought everybody thought he was crazy. Everybody, no, he, it was never done before, you know, at, at that level. You know, he took the reins and he made some changes that were, shall we say, not so popular, you know, and uh, because it had never been heard of or never been done before. And everybody was, you know, there were a lot of disbelievers that said, it isn't going to work. It isn't, he'd be out of business in X amount of years. He's going to bury this business. It's just not going to work. You just can't do that in this business. That ain't going to work. And he proved them all wrong. He proved them all wrong. And he brought that wrestling to such heights, as you know, uh, that it was unbelievable. I mean, he did so many things. And a lot of, a lot of things, you know, probably a lot of people don't know didn't work. And he went to something else. You know, he had Tuesday Night Titans at one point in time. He had uh, uh, Titan Sports at one time, uh, another company that he had dealing with wrestling and stuff like that. And I'm not too sure about the aspects of that either. But, uh, yeah, it was amazing. Just he, he was like he had a golden touch. If he did something, it worked out. You know, <laughs> it was amazing. He would do things that were unheard of. And, and again, it, it would be successful. So yeah, the surprise was uh, uh, a little more than surprised that things worked out because you're you're listening to people and and uh, saying, well, if it don't work, you know, I could be out of a job, you know, <laughs> whatever. But it was always successful, and uh, he was very very fortunate that he made the right moves at the right time. And of course, when Hogan stepped in, I was there the night Hogan beat the Sheik for in, in Madison Square Garden, and and, and you just had a, you knew. You knew it from that point on that even as good as this, this wrestling business was becoming, it's something great just happened. And I have to say that. And one of the, it, it did. One of the greatest uh, nights ever, obviously it kind of uh, torpedoed the, or, you know, skyrocketed, if you will, the, uh, the, the WWF and Vince and Hogan kind of set it off. But as I start to wind it down a bit here, Kind of focusing on you just for a second, and not really so okay. much the book, but your actual in-ring career. I'm always curious, especially a guy like you wrestled so long and was Mr. X, but was also dangerous, Danny Davis. Do you have any favorite matches or, or any maybe uh, maybe a couple favorite matches that you kind of go back to and, and, like you said, check out on YouTube that you really enjoyed? Uh, gee, there were so many of them that I enjoyed. I mean, I enjoyed every night. I enjoyed being there. I enjoyed getting dressed and going out there and doing it. But I guess WrestleMania obviously would be my top, you know, my top pick that I uh, I love to watch that. And uh, as Mr. X, you know, uh, the guys I worked with, Bruno San Martino and his son, when I was Mr. X, we did a TV taping and Bruno and his son teamed up and I was with, uh, oh, gee, the Bronx Bomber, the, <laughs> uh, uh, the Brooklyn Brawler. Yes, and uh, myself, and uh, we teamed up with Bruno San Martino and his son, and that that was to me, uh, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I was in the ring with Bruno San Martino. I mean, think about that and his son, and uh, uh, that was that would be one of my top ones. And then the British Bulldogs as Mr. X, boy, they used to, uh, uh, they were really, uh, as we say in the business, snug with everybody. Especially Dave, I mean uh, Tom. He was really, really, you know, uh, a stiff guy to work with, and I enjoyed it. And I endured it. But my matches with them were some of the best. I mean, he uh, uh, took me off the top rope backwards, and you know, gave me a suplex off the off the top rope. I mean, it was 
that that was a great match that I that I that I always remember. And of course, uh, the there are so many that I could you know be here all night telling you about them. But uh, yeah, I I have a quite a few matches uh, with the matches with uh, Coco Ware. I mean, we we were we were, we wrestled for I don't know every night for a long time. Uh, Sam Houston, I enjoyed working with him. Uh, J, uh, I, I, Jim Myers, Georgia Animal Steel. Uh, I'll tell you a little story if you got a minute here. He used to have a doll called Mine. You remember that? I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that or not. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, he, he <laughs> I would go in the ring uh, at some of these spots, and Jim wasn't feeling well at, uh, at this point in time in his life. He had some problems, and uh, but he always made the show. But anyway, I would go out and literally wrestle with a doll. I would take the doll away from him, and I would – you know, slam it on the ground, and I would drop elbows on it and stuff like that, and the people would go crazy. So yeah, those those matches were will always stick in my mind. The people loved it; they were screaming and hollering. And oh boy, you know, Jim was so great that it, it, literally w- wrestling a doll, you know, and getting over it was just it was just amazing. So yeah, there's so many. And the night I was with, I was actually in the ring with Hulk Hogan, and uh, uh, uh. Uh, with uh, we did a tag match, a six-man tag match, or something like that, and uh, Jim and Brett left the ring with with uh, Jimmy Hart, and they left me in there, and I was in the ring with him, uh, and he kind of cornered me and stuff like that, and yeah, and of course, but the top, I, my top one would be WrestleMania. That was, yeah, WrestleMania three would be the, and all the WrestleManias. I mean, I was in quite a few. I think I was in ten of them. You know, as Mr. X and Danny Danny Davis at the time, I was in ten of them, and the and the battle royals and and uh, uh, King of the Rings and all those we were I was involved in. Those are all exciting because all those guys were in there. And Butcher for Sean, when I was with Mr. X, Butcher for Sean. I don't have a tape of it because it was in you know just local. Uh, God rest his soul. He I was Mr. X, and he told me to slam him, and you know he was a big guy, and he. You know, I slammed him and stuff like that. And, you know, it was, he was just, everybody was so helpful. Mike Shop, Iron Mike Shop, I don't know if you remember him. He stands oh, out yeah. in my mind. He, oh, he he used to beat you with that, that arm. He used to hit you pretty hard. But God love him. I loved working with him. And like I say, yeah, those are just some of the few, you know, but I worked with so many great, 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 great guys, you know, that knew what was going on and knew how to handle me because I was green and stuff like that and helped me along. It was such an exciting time. Oh, you're making me, you're making me a little uh, misty here thinking about all those times. Oh, good. What a great, great run. Think about all the world champs. Not only Bruno, not only Hogan, but also Pedro Morales. You worked a lot of world champions, which is pretty damn cool. Pedro Morales. Yeah, like I say, all of them. Everybody wanted to work with me. They loved working with me as Mr. X. And then they they enjoyed working with me as Dangerous Danny Davis. But, you know, we were, and Vince was, without telling us or letting us know, we were developing uh, or educating the fans to the fact that smaller guys were necessary in the future to be the superstars. And as you see on TV, you know, there's no uh, one guy that stands out, but you know, the stature, they have, uh, you know, they're a little smaller than the guys. Like when I went first went to my first wrestling match, these were grown men, and there was nobody under six, six foot tall and two or 300 pounds. And, they were, you know, they weren't kids. They were, they were grown men in their 40s and 30s and stuff like that. And now you watch TV and they're very young and their stature isn't as, you know, as big as the past. There are some, but th- I'm not taking anything away from them. Don't get me wrong. What I'm trying to put over is we were the uh, Sam Houston's, Coco Wears, the Dangerous Danny Davises. You know, we were the guys who uh, were being used to educate the fans, in my opinion, to the fact that in the future that the uh, smaller guys in stature would probably be the superstars of the future. And I think that's happened. Uh, you, de- you guys definitely let the uh, the foundation uh, with that era of wrestling. But, you know, as we wrap it up here, before we get to the last final plug for the book, the way we usually like to end oh. it on the show is we like to take a look 
at what you did in your career, but you've just laid it all out on the table here. And the story in your book is so inspirational. And it's a, a story about somebody coming up and really overcoming obstacles and all the things that you've shared here tonight and all the stories and all the matches and all the moments that you live, not only in your wrestling life, but in your prior to wrestling life. What do you want wrestling fans to remember about dangerous Danny Davis? Is it the, the fact that you were able to portray multiple characters or is it the fact that you were able to actually live a dream and accomplish those goals that you set for yourself. Oh, you took it away from me. All of, all of the above. Don't let anybody tell you. You know, when I, I was a streaker, I was a very, uh, very, of course, I wasn't muscular. I wasn't huge. And uh, as a street kid, I used to, like I say, I used to street fight and stuff like that. And uh, when I used to take friends to see wrestling matches, and these guys were so big and so enormous they were enormous guys they were enormous king curtis and all those guys you know they were just big guys and big men not guys men and uh for me to stand there at my stature and my and everybody knew me that i was no good you know and uh i was a street kid and to tell me and look me right in the eye and say you'll never do that you're crazy you know you, you just you know you're nuts you know forget about it you can't do it it'll never be done uh and to actually do it, I knew in my heart from that day that I went to Jack Wishy's Arena in North Admiral Mass, my first restaurant, that someday that I would be in there performing. And what what uh, uh, what character I would portray, or even even as a referee, uh, I didn't ever hesitate. When I first they put me in my first match, I did great as a referee and as a wrestler, I, I did the same and. I just want everybody to know that regardless of what people tell you, you're always capable and you always have it in you to fulfill your dreams. And that's what I think the main thing I would want to get across to my wrestling fans around the world, that you can succeed in anything you want to do and don't let anybody tell you you can't. And to pick up my book and get some inspiration. <laughs> Absolutely. And we want everybody who's listening to this show to head over to Kickstarter. This is an all or nothing funded book. So we got to get to the $3,000 goal to get this book out there. So head on over to kickstarter.com and search dangerous Danny Davis, the WWE wrestler slash referee, the autobiography. It's honestly it, just listening to this. I mean, if you're not sold on it, then I don't know if you're a, you're a true wrestling fan because if you watched when we watched back in the day, you will love all these stories. You will love going back and learning what this journey was all about. But, Danny, I'm going to hand it over to you. Please give us one last plug here for the book and where we can find all the rest of the information of what's going on in the world of the crooked wrestling referee, Dangerous Danny Davis. Okay, I want all my wrestling fans to hear me now. I want you to share all my information on, uh, with your friends on Twitter and Facebook. Now, you go to DangerousDannyDavis.com, and there's a link on there for, for my Kickstarter. And I want, as, as I know, and I've told everybody, and I like to say this on every podcast, that the wrestling fans in New England and around the world are the greatest fans in the world, and I know that we will reach our goal for the Kickstarter for my book, and I want to thank you in advance. Absolutely, and I'll tell you, I mean, you've inspired me throughout this entire episode to ask you, I got to do this. I've been waiting at least, let's see, 30, uh, 32 <laughs> years to ask you, what did you hand the macho man that he clocked Tito Santana with in the Boston Garden? Absolutely nothing. I'm a plead the fifth, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we appreciate you so much, Danny, for coming on and talking about the book, and we really we hope this gets funded, and we want all the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip to get out there and take advantage of this inspirational story and the pleasure has been all ours. All right. Thank you for having me. And I hope to talk to you guys soon. And I'll see you in new Orleans, everybody. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.